Hello and welcome to the award-winning Canine Hoopers World podcast. Everyone's invited. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Canine Hoopers World the podcast. Now she's back for a second episode. This lady is actually our top listened to episode in round one. So we're going for round two and we're going to see if we can beat her listeners. So remember guys, pass the pod, let people know this has been an amazing episode because obviously it's going to be because I'm joined by the fabulous, wonderful, amazing Holly Barker. I didn't know that the last one was was uh, was most listened the to. The last episode you... is my most listened to episode so far. Quite exciting. Out of three seasons. So you're back for season four and we're going to do an episode. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, like where have you been? What are you doing? You're one of the Ooh. very few regular listeners that won't have listened to it. But um, <laughs> we spoke about placid a lot and about yeah with spicy dogs and that kind of thing but this week because it's the summer and we've now gone into actual heat in any of the Aussie listeners this might not apply for you guys at the moment because it's winter over there Mm. but for those of you that are in summer and it's boiling um we're going to be talking hydration recovery stuff and that kind of thing with sports dogs yeah and competition season in full swing so it is it is that the creature actually seems to run better winter season when we're on a surface than he's running in the summer season on grass yeah well the humidity isn't it it's the humidity because it's like steering the qe2 and the hips are a bit shite um he's better on mm-hmm. sand than grass yeah so yeah it's More cool we're having fun but the last week, like the temperature went up in the UK. We did the normal thing where it was sort of high teens and everything was pleasant. Then all of a sudden it hit 30, like. Too much. No. It was like, it's the humidity. It's horrid. It's grim. So for anyone that's not in the UK, our heat isn't like going on a lovely holiday. Our heat does this weird thing where it's kind of humid, but not in a good way. And also, it goes from like really cold to suddenly hot. There's no like gradual increase. It just like someone turns the thermostat onto full and British summer starts. And Northern Hemisphere. So it doesn't get dark long enough for it to cool down. You know, it's light right. again. You know, it doesn't get dark until like 11 o'clock at night. And it's starting to get light again at three in the morning. So it doesn't, there's no significant amount of time for it to cool down for the temperature to drop enough for the humidity to drop out of the air you know you're waking up in the morning there's no dew on the grass so the humidity is not dropping and it's the humidity that causes the absolute grossness that is our British summertime it is so sweaty we so are really sweaty. selling it to people aren't we we're like those of you don't know the UK do not visit between June and September because it's just hot and sweaty yeah. We don't we don't have air conditioning anywhere. You have to you have to pop you have to go for a little a little jaunt out in the car for that. You get to a point and you're like, you know what, I'm going out in the car. But before you can do that, you have to open all the windows, put the blowers on, actually cool the car down. So little confession. In, in the first place. So little confession. Um when we built the new kitchen area in the house. Did you get of course it's for the of course of course it's for the shepherd you you pink-haired fibber um you, 
in fact, here we've been catching up like before this <laughs> for about an hour. And you can't see us. I can see Carrie, and she's resplendent in a vest, looking glowy and, and lovely. I am macerating in my own sweat. I keep having to wipe my sweat down. <laughs> now you know it's because I'm sat in a freaking <laughs> How hot I am. I'm like, oh, God, put the fan on because the podcasters won't be able to hear me because my, my fan makes the kitchen like a wind tunnel. So I'm sweating. Mate, put to... your fan on. Zoom blocks the sound out. Honestly, my rumba was going the other day and you couldn't even hear it. It's fine. I sat, I'm I sat a bougie now when I, with my air con and my rumba. Can you tell I live Bo- in the Effing princess. I like I just kept it quiet up until this moment as I'm melting into a puddle of my own self. And you're just like, oh by the way, listeners, I've got air con. Oh well, lovely for you then. Flip. So moving Time to swear less this one. Yeah, moving swiftly on. Sorry. So it's warm. So and, um, just in case anyone hadn't realized, um, there is going to be swearing on this episode. <laughs> I was trying hard not to. I said fluff instead of the other one so i know i was really impressed and i know that like halfway in you're going to up and you're just going to swear so i'm just warning I'm everyone good. if there are children there's going to be swearing sorry let me just shush them now holly's dog's are getting involved holly while you're up shushing the dogs i'm going to suggest you also put your fan on babe just put the fan yeah. on it'll be fine i'll have to go and it's upstairs. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know this. <laughs> Hang on, there might be. I mean, there's the big fat. Right, stay there. Right, okay. we're going to do a thing. I'm going to pause for a minute. Right, Holly, have you got your fan on now? Do you feel better, babe? I have a fan on. I do. I do. All the dog hair sticking to my sweat. Oh, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, hydration. <laughs> hydration. Right, okay. So, um, Hydration for your dogs um, in summer in the UK where it's humid and gross and we've covered that um, as much as we're going to and we've all agreed that it's gross and hot and grim and the gross hot grimness is because of the humidity and it's the humidity that makes it especially dangerous for our doggos so you know you'll see lots of social media posts about uh, heat illness in dogs and all the rest of it and blah 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 uh, and on these posts talking about the risks of heat illness in dogs so by heat illness I mean heat stroke and um, you'll get people saying well dogs in other countries manage it well it's not as humid there is it but and the change time, doesn't happen suddenly those so dogs, dogs acclimatized. have been acclimatized to the heat yes yeah it's different um it's different and then the flip side of that is you get well all these dogs competing in agility and then you know next door's pug just walked around the shop and died and I'm like yeah well next door's pug isn't an athlete and um, so so let's touch on this first because yeah. I remember last year um I was judging at a show and the temperatures were hot that weekend like we were hitting near 30 we started at half seven in the morning and I'd finished all of my classes finished all my judging by 11 30 in the morning that's it what you military precision and i know i think yes. it was kti did very similar they started early finished yeah. before lunch and then didn't start until the evening and then went on till late didn't they so the middle yeah, yeah. of the day when it was ridiculous there weren't mm. dogs running no and that's the other thing as well about the, the heat in this country is it is our peak temperatures it's not midday 
that's that's not the peak temperature. It's when the sun is the highest in the sky, but the peak temperature comes after that buildup of heat. So actually our peak temperatures tend to be sort of two, three in the afternoon. Um, it's not always midday. So there's that to consider. So um, our, our canine athletes or our dogs that like to, to play sports, they're, they're gonna be fitter than your average dogs. Um, and that fitness is, is one key um, factor for um, the predisposition to heat illness. So what, what is known is that dogs that have a good base level of fitness are less likely to get a heat injury. Um, and then one of the biggest predictors for heat injury is hydration. Um, and you can really mediate um, the, the risk of heat stroke by having a well hydrated dog. Now, dogs that are on wet food, dogs that are on raw food, they drink a significant amount less than other dogs anyway, just because there's so much moisture in their diet. Um, you see the on post this time of year about water toxicity. Um, and what that is, is it's, it's hyponatremia. So that means that the amount of fluid that a dog has ingested has depleted their electrolytes, um, in, in particular sodium. And when the sodium's depleted, uh, cellular function ceases to um, be carried out in a normal way mm -hmm. um, and you can risk organ death. That's very extreme, you know? But also, what causes water... that? Like, is that when, like, dogs are playing with hose pipes or when dogs have been yes. swimming in the sea or in lakes and they've yes. ingested lots of water? Yes, and what you're talking about there is a dog that's had, like, I mean, it depends on, it depends on the size of dog and there is a, there is a calculation for it, which I've completely forgotten. But um, let's take my 25 kilogram lurcher. When he's playing in the water, easy, easy. In about half an hour, he can take on three litres mm -hmm. just from playing. That's an excessive amount of water. And you can tell because he comes home and after half an hour, he does one of those like three hour pissy, uh, whittles. Yep. Um, just cocks his leg and it's never ending. And it's completely clear as well. Like there's nothing... Yeah. Yeah, so you're like, oh, well, at least your kid needs a flush through now, lads. Yeah, yeah, you're well, you're well flushed. Um, so don't worry too much about, you know, when you see these risks of dogs that are fed too much water, um, and the risk of hyponatremia or water toxicity, dry drowning, whatever you want to call. This isn't happening with our canine athletes. In particular, it's not happening when you hydrate them, um, in the ways that I suggest, where there is some. Um, electrolyte added to the fluid. Mm -hmm. So what I say is just, just get them hydrated. There's loads of different ways to do it. Um, I use, I make up a litre at a time of half water, half goat's milk, um, half a teaspoon of Himalayan pink salt and a tablespoon of honey. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it's got all the electrolytes in it that, you, that you're probably going to need. Um, it's got some simple carbohydrate in the form of sugars from the honey. And it's got um, a, a salt that's not too high in sodium. Um, and then it's got the goat's milk, which makes it more palatable. And to that, you know, I don't know if you've seen them on the circuit, but there's pooch hooch bone broth. You can add that to it so you can make it taste of any sort of meat that you want. Mm -hmm. um, I do uh, baited waters, which effectively is just um, getting uh, a decent sized jar with water in it, chuck a sardine from the tin in it, shake it up so it's like really thin soup and get your dog to drink that. So there's baited waters. You can bake water with yogurt, with primula, with soft cheese. You can bake it with bone broth. You can bake it with meat paste. It really doesn't matter. Um, it's just to get your dog to drink. 
and what that does is as well as helping your dog with um metabolizable energy so the energy exchange um it helps with uh, muscle cramp it helps with recovery so hydration big big tip for me that's that's what we want to be focusing on in summer um and those are the ways you can do it you can buy products um such as uh, I think Auralade's one of them, but to be honest, I've looked at the ingredients and yeah, it's it's water with hydrolyzed animal protein in it. It's not it's not that exciting. Um, you know, there's been loads of human studies that are absolutely um, applicable in this area of hydration, rehydration, and recovery. Um, and the human studies are, are very firm on the fact that um, uh, electrolyte replacement drinks, isotonic drinks. Um, it's just it's just branding but they're expensive um you you can achieve exactly the same from the methods that i've mentioned earlier yeah. obviously for being shelf stable and for you know ease of just you know having some unopened cartons of that in the van yeah they tick the box for convenience um but the uh the, the evidence the scientific evidence is that um milk-based uh, rehydration is the most effective so that's what I continue to do Interesting. so there's, there's that okay mm -hmm. so our little our little thing um especially you know we're competing I was competing yeah. at the weekend um the judges were wicked and rather than taking a lunch break the afternoon judge just cracked on and we were done by one o'clock so again, with you saying the hot temperature is about two three we were done before it got mm -hmm. stupid hot Obviously, the van's insulated. He's got a fan on him. I have a cool coat and a cool harness if I need it. I try not to put too much on Dodge because he's double coated. I actually mm. feel that sometimes it can be a little bit counterproductive to put a cold coat on him. Yeah, 100%. That's my opinion the... with my dog. Um, my opinion with mine too. I am not a massive fan of putting cool coats on thick coated dogs because um, the, the skin does not th th that coolness does not come in contact with the skin there's mm -hmm. a lot of fur between that coat um yes the the water that's in the coat evaporates takes some of the heat from the dog with it but my thing with and i haven't seen anyone do it that shows even though i do harp on about it is that the best way to keep a double coated dog cool is to just wet them like i mean you you know shepherds i i i do collies and um, i don't shave my dogs we have worked in heat before whether it's been on warm times lambing but mainly this type of year this time of year sorry it's shearing mm -hmm. it's hot shearing sheep is happening now it, yeah we still have to do it we have to make the sheep comfortable the dogs have to work yes wake up really early and get it done but there's no it, it's such um but the thing um, is it's still 2021 degrees at six yeah. in the morning on some days yeah but the difference is, is we don't when when i'm doing that like we don't care how our dogs look we've got no we're not going to have pictures at the end of the day to show our dogs performing doing like you know moving a thousand head of sheep and we're not taking pictures going look how cool my dog looks doing this like we're not we're doing a job so when that dog gets a minute it, it'll it'll go and find a water truck and dunk itself in it it'll so find a really deep cold muddy skanky puddle cover itself in mud that's what's keeping your dog cool mm -hmm. and i never see anyone just wetting their dog before a run like what just just wet your dog well they've got the best cool coat on them Ollie, well, I bet I you do bet you do to impress you <laughs> because at the weekend the lovely show was that had lots of paddling pools around and okay. 
because people at the show, I'm just going to do a shout out to Jumping Jacks, because people at the show were lovely and gave Dodge enough space that he could get to the paddling pool. Before his run, he had a dip. And then after his run, he had a dip. Yeah. So and the science behind that as well, you know, I'm always sharing the stuff by Dr. David Marlin. We're really lucky mm-hmm. in this country to have this man. He's an excellent vet. He's grumpy as shit. And I've told, yeah. I've told him on his I've told him on his comments that he's grumpy. You know, he'll he'll have a little kickoff now and then and go, Why do people come to my page to say awful stuff? I'm like, show what though, you put out the kindness, you get it back. Sometimes you're grumpy. Um and I have told him, I've told him that he's a bit grumpy, but He's got every right to be because he has to put up with some right idiots all the time. And now yes. I kind of understand. Yes. Um, but we, we act through kindness. And he is our he is our lead in this country for everything to do with thermal, everything to do with animals. Mainly, to be honest, horses. But Mainly ponies, studied, yes. Yeah. What he has studied absolutely applies to dogs. And yeah. what he is saying is you wet the animal. Yes. You dunk the animal in the cold water. And that's for the, the, you know, for recognised signs of a heat stroke, you know, that you do the rapid cooling um, and that's the way that you do it. You can go to his page and find out all about that. But if you can prevent it happening, wet your dog. That's your best cool coat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly that. Yeah. So <laughs> dunking him in the pool before and after his run and then we get back to the van and we have a little bit of goat's milk. Now, this is my question. So I normally give him about 200 mil after a run because I'm worried that he's going to drink too much and then make himself sick. Yeah, be a bit sloshy. You don't want a sloshy dog. And you don't also, want a like, Sheps and bloat, unfortunately, yeah, that's a worry, are isn't it? very common, so I'm very mindful. Yeah, yeah. And then he'll have a little fat bomb, although I did confess this to Holly um, before we started recording. Melted. My lovely pot of unicorn fat bombs may have melted, and I may just have put the tray in his crate and gone... There you go, mate. Yeah, I'll just have it. So for anyone wondering what a fat bomb is, um, they are they are a little recipe that um that I, I sell the recipe actually. Oh, I know, check me out, making money, how dare I? Um because I don't <laughs> how usually, dare you make money out. I don't oh, it makes me so uncomfortable. I talk about this all the time, don't I? I'm like really sorry, but I am actually charging for this recipe. I'm so Aww, sorry. It's, it's a very good recipe and I use it. So I will I it's will a good um, one. I will say that Dodge approves yeah. this recipe. And there, it's it's only a fiber, so you can get that off. The details are on my group. And, and by the time this podcast goes out, I will have turned the group back on. It's had a little bit of a break. Um, so that is on there. If you, do, if you don't want my recipe, you can buy. But it's not the same thing, but I think they're still, I think they're called energy bombs. And again, they're from the Hooch Pooch, but they're just animal fat. Right. Um, the, the recipe that I do is, is non-animal fat. Um, it uses coconut oil. And the reason for that is because it's high in medium chain triglycerides. Um, and okay, you so just got sciencey. Hang on, explain. You, got you just said long science word. Do do do. I did just said a science word. Do 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 science. And um, science of MCT, which is medium chain triglyceride, um, is that it has a very low impact on your dog's digestion. Um, so it's absorbed very quickly it becomes usable energy very quickly and it also has the ability to cross the blood brain barrier so uh evidence wise studies we know that i like the, the evidence science mm-hmm. um it's been shown to be very beneficial for epilepsy it's been shown to be beneficial for um enhancing cognition and so for that reason that's why i recommend um 
these these fat bonds because it gives your dog a, a little boost in terms of physical energy and um, but also brain energy as well dogs that need a little bit of help with their cognition um, and the reason for using fat as as fuel is because that's a dog's preferred uh, method of, um, of 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 energy usage so uh the way that a dog's body is is put together it prioritizes fat as the uh, as fuel so when you get other energy drinks and energy products that are for dogs um, and they're using um, glucose or maltodextrin which is very simple carbohydrate um a very simple sugar um yes you do get the the energy from that very quickly bioavailable but also very quickly used and not what i would call species appropriate so um when i want to fuel a dog uh for competition fat is the choice of fuel so there's that um and what i was looking at recently because it's been quite warm and everyone's like the energy bombs are melting i'm just giving my dog like splosh my dog's a splosh of their melted energy bombs i know um, i went to all this effort of making <laughs> unicorns and dinosaurs and then they just they were extinct <laughs> they literally <laughs> became extinct on it it hurt my heart. No, I can't see how upset you are, but I, I know that you are because you went to the effort of making them unicorn shapes. And I bet really before you gave them studs, you wanted to run around and show everyone them. Think of my unicorn. <laughs> yeah. Have you melted? Yeah. Do you, do you know how many yeah. people went, oh, I want unicorn fat bombs too? Because I'm a cool exactly. kid. Because this this is who we are. <laughs> This, this is this is what our worlds have developed into. So, yeah. So I found powdered MCT. <clears throat> um, so it it uh, it exists. I found it on bulk powders. Uh, you might have to sell a kidney to buy it. I imagine you probably will. I didn't look how expensive it was, but it's probably expensive. Um, sorry about that. Uh, but um, it does exist. And you can use that to make energy bonds. Um, so because it's powder, it's probably less melty. Hmm. So you could just mix mix in half of the MCT. Um, so replace half of the coconut oil with that instead. So it probably looks more sort of truffly. Don't know what it tastes like. Probably like bomb. Probably have to put some cheese in there to make your dog eat it. I only found this out this afternoon, like two minutes before. <laughs> Amazing. I'm loving this. I'm loving this. This is literally hot off the press. Hot off the press. Hot off the press. This is the new exclusive. So, I haven't factored in a way of feeding it yet. Do you know what? Probably not even as a bomb. Probably just mix a teaspoon of MCT oil in with some yogurt and feed that. No, sorry, MCT. Well, actually, you probably could use the oil. Um, but you can mix the powder in with a bit of yogurt or something, mm. in with a bit of some sort of blueberry squirty baby pouch. Mix it with a bit of mashed banana, sweet like that. I'm liking this. Liking this. So, um, yeah. I'm just going to skip back to hydration because oh, otherwise yes. we're yeah. going to yeah because we went off on a tangent and then we're back again. A tangent hydration. So, mm. the reason obviously I'm sort of mindful with how much I give Dodge is because first of all I know he's probably only got about an hour between doing one run and then the next run, so I don't want him having yeah. loads of hydration in between. Yeah. But also, I'm mindful that he is hydrated. Yeah. That's what um, we're going to talk about. Yes. So, 
go I do I do your magic goat's milk, a little bit of salt, yep, yep. little splidge of honey. Um I remember on the group, and this is and if the person's listening, this is no but I did have to giggle when you put the recipe up on the group. Someone said, I don't want to give the dog honey in case it rots their teeth. Now I'm not gonna lie, I did have a little giggle. Because I was yeah, it's, like, not, it's not well, it's not like you're rubbing the honey into like and I, it into, I know the person was a dentist, so they're obviously very aware of dental hygiene and stuff. Mm. Yeah, um, so it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit different than say Archie. So obviously, um, we've got really mobile tools and really mobile mouths. So when when we drink, um, we get what we drink all around our mouths, all around our teeth. But we quite often pull it through our teeth as well while we drink. Um, dogs not so much that if you see there's some great slow-mo videos of dogs drinking and how they turn their tongue into a scoop yeah um and 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 they they make their tongue into this there's a sort of spoon a scoop and then it throws the fluid to the back of their mouth and then they swallow um so it's not having the same action and, and dogs have much more um, drooly mouths than we do so it's not sitting about in there and the other thing is that dogs don't have salivary amylase like we do so those sugars are multiplying in the mouth. Um, so yeah, don't worry. If there's if there's a tablespoon of honey, and that's in a litre, by the way. So yeah. what does that make it? That makes it 1.5% sugar. I, I might have made that up. I'm like, <laughs> don't ask me to do maths because I'm not good at that. Well, hang on. So that's how much did you say a teaspoon? Yeah, so one litre is a thousand mils, and then one teaspoon is 15 mils. So, yeah. It's five it is, mil. It's, a teaspoon is five. A tablespoon, sorry. 15, 15 mils okay. is a teaspoon. So, one, no, hang on. How do we do maths? 15 divided by a thousand, is that right? <laughs> no. <laughs> there are people listening to this screaming the answer. <laughs> We can't hear you. With my face, like, shh. We will. We don't have to do the math. Someone, someone cleverer than us is going to check on this. I'm, I'm going to say it's not point not one five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with that. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with that. Um. Do you know what this? This isn't this. This podcast isn't like Joe Rogan. We don't have. You know what? What's the dude on Joe Rogan? And he goes, pull that up for me, James. Um. And that's what they Who call the call James. I don't have a James. That doesn't exist. I don't have, well. no, it's just we don't have anyone to pull up the actual facts for us. We have to establish the facts ourselves and, and, and we may have failed. Try and remember them and then regurgitate them correctly. This podcast is not gonna... full of complete factual evidence. Some of this may be <laughs> Don't trust Holly's maths. Um, or, or Never maths. trust my um, maths. I got GCSE so. maths. D, I got a D grade three times. Three times they made me take the exam, and three times I got a D. Like, at what point? You have no right to be sat there with a calculator. How dare you? Um, Literally, that it's not going to, it's not going to, not going to rot your dog's teeth, is it? Fine, no. fine. Um, it'll be fine. So, sloshy dogs, right? So, um, sloshy dogs. We don't want dogs to be drink so much that when they next run, they're going to be sloshy. Yes. So, my rule of thumb is. Um, like 10 10 to 20 mils per kilogram so if you've got a 10 kilogram dog 100 to 200 mils absolutely fine okay i'm getting the calculator back out again so 
Like, I don't think it's Mel. Should. Stop it. <laughs> so, don't <laughs> between three and four hundred mils because he's like thirty kilograms, isn't he? Thirty-five. So yeah, three hundred and fifty. Yeah. I did. Look, yeah. it came up on the calculator. <laughs> Good maths. Good maths. Well done. I can't believe your calculators think as well. Oh, great. Right. So, oh, because it's your phone. I understand. Right. Um. So yes. Yeah, so that's how much your dog can have. The other thing is, is gastric emptying. If it's just fluid in your dog's gut, it empties very rapidly not being held there for very long so in terms of torsion and worrying about bloat especially with big dogs like chefs um it if there's an hour between runs that's fine okay that's fine um it's, it's plenty enough uh yeah you, you're fine um and you can always kind of balance it off of how much food you know your dog has in one sitting so if your dog has 500 grams of food in one sitting then they have the capacity to have 500 millilitres of fluid, the kind of the equivalent volumes. Okay. Okay. Because, so I mean, normally as well, competition mornings is light breakfast with his oats and his magic porridge. Yeah, nice things. A nice bit of magic porridge with, I actually do put one of the fat bombs in with his magic porridge for his breakfast. Yeah, perfect. Mm -hmm. Get the energy in there. Come on, let's do this. 100%. Um, and then, yeah, that's, I would normally feed him a good hour before we even leave for the show. And then because of what grade he's in, we normally last lot to run if everyone's running at once. So quite often he's fed at sort of, say, half six in the morning. And then his first run's not till half nine. So. Yeah, so he needs a bomb. He needs a bomb. needs that, that little energy top up. Yeah, so he's had three hours between breakfast with his magical porridge oats, and then yeah, like yeah, and then we do our bun, we hydrate, we do the thing, and then we come home, and everyone's happy, and it's great. Um, so also, fun. in the morning, I do put a big old glug of goat's milk on his breakfast. Yeah, ideal. Just keep ideal. hydration. I love up, a bit right? of goat's milk. Yeah, all that. This is the thing. Just, just hydrate, especially if you're hydrating with foodstuffs, not just plain water. Yeah, you're ticking boxes. You're doing the right thing, and um, that's that's it. And I know a lot of dogs don't need, yeah, don't like to drink. So, like I say, you can do that. You can you can add water to their food. I mean, my own dogs, if they've had a busy day as well as topping them up through the day, when it comes to night time, they're having soup. That's what yeah. it looks like. I'm putting that much fluid in with their food. You know, and, and check your dog's wee, yeah? Because we know what a healthy wee looks like. It shouldn't look that much different from our own. We know first wees on the morning can be a bit spicy and look, smell a bit like sugar puffs. But, you know, the, the, after after first morning wee, you know, the, it should be improving. Straw, yeah. straw kind of yellow, not too bad. Don't want it too clear because it means that, you know, there's, there's too, a little bit too much hydration there. It does need to have a little bit of colour to it. Um, but check your dog's wee. You can do that all through the day. That's your best indicator of, you know, how your dog's hydration is doing. Check the gums. They should be wet. Check the nose. Should be wet. All of these things, you know, look for the signs of adequate hydration in your dog. You should know them. But if you don't, that's one of the ways. Check the wee, the colour of it, the concentration of it. You know, lots of dogs get a dry nose when they're stressed. And they might be stressed in a competition environment. So if your dog's wee is good colour... Yeah, so the skin test um, is is, a, is an interesting one. So you you pinch the skin 
and it should go back to normal. It should spring straight back, basically. There shouldn't be a delay. Um, but obviously some, some dogs have dry skin, wrinkly skin. They're an over-wrinkly dog. So... I mean, you it know, works if, if better you... on a whippet than a Sharpe, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so bear that in mind too, because there's always caveats to everything. So, you know, I mean, just, it's much just... easier to do the skin test on the Stafford than it is on the Shepherd. Like, yeah, that was especially always... when it's where people pinch as well. Like, you want to you want to pinch somewhere um, where the skin runs smoothly across smooth muscle. Don't be pinching somewhere that's already wrinkly. Yeah, no, because a lot of people like do it on the scruff, and I'm like, but that has a yeah. bit of delay anyway, because there's always a bit of extra there. Whereas if you do yeah. it on like the shoulder, it should just shoulder flank. It's like with me, like if you that. do it, if you do it round me, round me little turkey, China, yeah, it's just gonna stay that way. Yeah. <laughs> if you do it on my shoulder, you got half chance. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, or, or like, don't do, don't do the bingo wings. That's yeah, don't don't depressing. Do yeah, right. You're like not because it doesn't spring back. It's because it's depressing. Yeah, you just go, oh. We're both just sat here pinching our bingo wings. We have to stop it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that, 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 that was where you did it with horses back in the day. If it was hot yeah. and the horses mm -hmm. were hydrated, you'd give the neck yeah. a pinch, and if it went back in, cool. And if not, then you needed to get them drinking. Yeah, I mean, there's other things like, you know, that their eyes can become quite sunken and maybe not a, a great colour the mucous membranes in the mouth aren't great but you know that's getting a little bit more extreme you're looking more at like medical dehydration rather than dog that's just a little bit deep you know a little bit dry um for things like that right um, so, so ice yeah. water yes because this is one of those water. every year there is a post on facebook saying do not give your dog ice cubes. Do not give your dog ice water. Your <laughs> dog will Oh, sorry, I said I wouldn't they swear would I did. die instantly <laughs> if they can shoot an ice cube. Right. Ooh. Let's clear this Ooh. up. Let's clear this it's up. Not it's so not true. It's so not true. If your dog they, has got heat illness and literally needs to be at the vet because they've got severe heat stroke, yeah. probably don't give that dog an ice cube. Don't give that dog an ice cube. It's not going to do anything, but do rapidly kill that dog. So this is the thing as well. It, it, the, the other thing that's annoying me um, lately is people go, don't dunk the dog in cold water. It will go into shock. Dog is already in shock. Dog is already in shock. You can't get shocked twice. You can't. And these are usually the same people that take their dogs for, for walks in winter and will let them jump into a river that's minus whatever. Mm -hmm. Did your dog die of shock? No, it just jumped into the boat. How many mammals are into this trend lately of ice bathing every bloody day? Because apparently you'll live forever and not die. But it, we have a same... Just, as, in... as a stupid athletic thing where I have ice bathed myself. Yes. fucking stupid. It really also, is. Also, same... little tip, if you do Which ever is. need to ice bath yourself, keep your socks and pants on. It makes it more bearable. I don't know why. It just it does. This is true. So um little known little known thing. So um, I'm guessing a few people and maybe a few listeners might know that, that I am ex-military and, and that when I was in the military, I was a medic. Um and two two things happened when I was a medic. So my my overall training included something called air medical evacuation. So once I got that qualification, it makes you a little bit more in demand for the other services. So I was in the Royal Air Force and other services don't have that aeromed tick in a box. So it means that 
other services when they need to get their people in or out of the country by air if they are um, medically injured, injured mm-hmm. that you need you need an RAF person to do that. So that was one of the things that I did. And within that, I did the um, extreme cold weather training, and that was in Norway in winter, 200 miles into the Arctic Circle. And the flip side of that was I also was in Basra in the height of summer. So heat injury is my bag. And let me tell you now, if someone came to me with a heat injury, I'm not putting tepid water on their wrists and I'm not putting ice packs in their groins. I'm filling a bath full of cold water and submersing them in it and then I'm maintaining their airway. And that's what you do with your dog. It's as cold as, you know, as long as the water is colder than what the dog is, that's what you need. It doesn't have to be tepid. It doesn't have to not be, you know, it doesn't have to be ice pack. It just has to be colder than the dog and you fully submerse them. And if you can keep that water moving, then you do. What you need to do is keep the head out of the water because you don't want them to drown. Now, this whole thing about sending them into shock, what they're talking about, the shock response. So this then goes to my experience in Norway. I'm sure they used to put it on Blue Peter when I was little about these, um, you know, the, the Royal Marines would do the cold water testing. And it's when they have to go into the ice. So a hole is cut in the ice. You go in in full kit. You have to swim from one end to the other and then get out. And before they let you out, you have to recite your name, your rank and your number. Um, And that's to prove that you have not been cognitively affected. It's to prove that you've been able to overcome the mammalian gasp response, which is to to preserve oxygen in your lungs before you drown. So before you drown, you go, (laughs) because that cold water has hit you and your brain goes, right, we're going to drown, hold your breath and get as much air in as you can. Mm-hmm. unfortunately sometimes when that happens it's at the exact same moment that your mouth goes underwater and then you drown and this is how cold water shock drowns and kills people it's because of the gasp response it's not because cold water does something to the hypothalamus in your brain and shocks you and makes you shiver to warm you all of that absolute bollocks you're in cold water you're going to get cold so that whole <laughs> shock thing it just sorry it i just true. love that you are in cold water it's going to make you cold like you know because yes. science <laughs> because science and and having done that myself so i was i was in in norway doing that cold weather training for i think it was like three months in the what they made you um, get in the water so I, yeah so i did the so firstly i was there just to make sure no one died that was my job and that if anyone did kind of get to the point where they might be looking like they're dying um that I would stop them from doing that and then evacuate them that was that was my job right um um but in order to fully embrace the experience because obviously I was with a load of royal marines um, and also gullible I think I was I think I was maybe 19 years old um they were like well you know in in order to you know do do this you have to do it they were lying to me absolutely did not have to do that training they chucked me well they persuaded me into the into the icy cold water um, and I just believed them. I just believed them. I didn't have to do it. I was just there for medical cover, but I did it anyway. And do you know what? I'm glad it was an experience, all the rest of it. Um, that's Mate, kind that's of, a that's pretty kind of... freaking big badge to wear. Like you've literally done ice water training. Like that's pretty gnarly. It was quite gnarly. Um, but the, um, yeah, it was quite gnarly. And, and honestly, you can't speak and you can't think. Um, it takes it takes a minute, but what that does make you very good at is is the importance of how much can change in the space of time of taking a breath. It takes a second to take breath, but you take that breath, 
and you give yourself a minute and you let that oxygen give your brain some clarity and then you can function. It takes a second, but all it is is taking a breath. And that's what they make you do before you can get out. Like you have to regulate yourself. Um, so that's quite important. So no, you're not, you're not going to die of shock. And then after that experience, I continued to do the kind of, you know, where we were based um, in Norway, they did the whole um, Norwegian sauna thing where you'd sit in a sauna until you felt like you were going to die of heat. And then you came out of the sauna and, and got in the cold plunge pool. So I just continued doing kind of nearly the same thing every day after that, but just by adding the sauna in. Um, Sounds and, you know, this is shit. <laughs> I was going to oh. say delightful, and then my brain went, don't lie. It does not sound no. delightful. The sauna no. and sometimes not come across. It just sounds shit. Of, if no one had been in before me and I wasn't pe feeling particularly strong, sometimes the plunge field hadn't been like broken over the ice on top or it just completely frozen solid. Um, it completely froze solid when we went down to minus 35. So on those days, you just had to roll in the snow for your, for, for your cool down after your hot sauna. Um, so the upshot is, is we're mammals too. And when that post goes around every year about the cooling the dogs down, causing the hypothalamus to make the body shiver, which heats the body up and then makes everything worse. And it's because of the making the body cold. That's all nonsense. And also giving your dog ice cubes and ice creams and lollipops and lickies that are frozen Absolutely and putting ice cubes in their water. It's fine. I mean, I have, I have um, committed myself to um, experimentation and science. And I can tell you that after five strawberry daiquiris in a row, which are frozen, that I did not shiver. So, so you know, having consumed the, the icy, icy drinks and um, to excess, no, I didn't, I didn't shiver, I did fall down. But, but that was possibly tequila. partially due to the alcohol content of said strawberry daiquiris rather than the ice. I don't drink anymore. But, but when I did, yeah, that was definitely a thing. But yeah, it's not, it just consuming a, a healthy dog, um, just a fit and well healthy dog that's in, in the house on a hot day, chilling out, having an ice cream as a treat. Nothing terrible is going to happen. A dog that is having heat stroke shouldn't be having anything put in its mouth. Anyway. That's not, that's going not to the, the vets. Post it should be going to the vets. Post haze, but rapid cool, rapid cool. Yes. So you need to be cooling on the way to the vets. Um, and this last year, I applied that to um, not one of my dogs, actually, it was to a cat. Um, so on the hottest day of the year. Oh my God, um, I remember this happening. Oh, I got, I got a phone call from my friend. So I'm like, I'm like, the person that gets you know local, yeah, you know, you know local groups. So we've got one, it's called Langley Park Chick Chat. Um, and then there's another one called um I think it's called Haunted Colliery Matters, things like that. Like they're they're gossip groups in the local area. And someone will say something about a pet and, and they need help and this, that, and the other, and they get tagged a lot. So it's not just in dog world on the Facebook, it's anyone. It's anyone that that knows me, like, oh, that last that lives up, up on the hill with all of the with all of the collie dogs, she'll help. I'm like, right, great. Um, so you know, this this happens all the time. The, the, the most recent one was a, a chihuahua um with with a half-broken nail and um and the 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 vet wouldn't see it to take off this half-broken nail because the the last wasn't getting paid until like two days, and they wouldn't let her just wait to pay, and none of the anyway. So Holly will help. What an angry little dog that was tiny. Like as, as a chihuahua parent. Fury, right? 
and I had to go down and clip this broken nail off. Um, so things like that happened. So what happened was, is someone had found this cat, ended up bringing me, and it was the hottest day of the year. No one was outside because it was it was eerie, silent, no cars on the road. It literally reached peak heat. It was very eerie. No one was anywhere except me in my bloody maxi dress because it was the coolest thing I owned in my car where the aircon had decided to stop working. The fan wasn't working. Sweating Steph, driving at the speed of light down to my local village to, to get this cat. It was so ill. And that's what I did. I did the rapid cooling. I chucked a load of ice in, um, in a wash basin with cold water out the tap and I dumped that cat in it. Um, and he survived, firstly. Um, by the time I got him to the vets, he was hypothermic, so his temperature was very low. Um, but if it had continued to be high, he would have died. The fact they can warm a cat up, um, you can't replace the the rapid action, the benefits that you get from that. If that cat had been left any longer, he would have had kidney failure and died. Um, and his owner still messages me now just to let me know that his follow-up kidney's fine, he's fine. Um, and yeah, it it absolutely does work and that cat had no residual effects and he was like it was a it was a case of just leave me in this house with this cat and go and take the children somewhere because this is this is not going to be good mm-hmm. in the next five minutes this cat's either going to live or it's going to die and I don't I don't want kids asking so go take them away yeah um, yeah we don't need yeah. younglings involved in this this is not a youngling lesson no 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 lessons learned to the little ones but yeah cat was absolutely fine he still remains to be fine um, and then, like I say, I, I had the experience where I worked in, in Basra during the, the hottest times. And when I say hot, it, oh, the hottest day we experienced there was 54 degrees. Right. And just, just to clarify, this is in Celsius. Celsius. This isn't this weird yeah. American money that makes no sense. I think in American no. money, that's like 580, isn't it? It's hot. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's stupid. So it's really hot. So my cutoff yeah. in the UK, just to give people an idea, when I'm competing, if it goes over 25, that's the point where I go, this is too hot for the shepherd. I'm not going to work him now. That's where he is comfortable. I know a lot of dogs that will happily work up to 27, 28 degrees. That's cool. Friends in Australia, friends in America, where it gets a lot hotter, like it's hitting the 40s. Their dogs will happily work into the 30s because that's what they're used to. But yeah. 50 plus degrees, like, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little sun worshipper, but that just sounds stupid even to me. It was so um, unfathomably hot. You know, when you open the door and a fan of them, when it's got up to heat, you get that blast in the face. Or when you, like, get off the plane, first of all, and it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's like that, but times, times a lot so hot um but obviously you still have to work in that heat um mostly you've done all your acclimatization and stuff like that me not too bad because i was i was a medic so where we were based it was aircon so we were only having to go outside when when we had to yeah um, we took it in terms to be like duty medic and, and response and stuff like that it wasn't you know it wasn't this whole full-on like getting shot at every single day being out in the heat and the dust and stuff every single day there were a few like little um little activities that I had to do here and there where you know I was going to be out overnight or or for short periods supporting what you mean when it dropped down to 30 degrees awful man um but yeah the heat injuries that we would get on that day on sorry on those days where it was that hot um you know you just 
you're not you're not dicking about there I can't, you know we're talking about putting fridge cold so when we think of fridge temperature um fridge temperature for medical purposes between five and eight degrees okay and we're putting iv fluids into people like that cold wow um and we are literally putting them up their bum like literally filling their colon with fridge temperature because you if you can cool the inside cool the inside you're getting cold into them any way you can okay. cooling them down um, anywhere you can um submersing them in cold water yes putting ice packs i mean people talk about in the groins just everywhere getting everywhere cold putting cold in putting cold on the outside just cooling them down as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and the other thing about that is getting them that there is also such a thing um it's called therapeutic hypothermia um, and it, it helps prevent uh, brain and organ death. So if anyone wants something to go Google, again, to kind of bolster how being extremely cold is much preferable to being extremely hot, mm-hmm. um, have a look at therapeutic hypothermia. And what that is, is it's a state that you can put people into to uh, reduce damage um, and it's not just from heat injury either. It's used for um, to help transplants take and all sorts of things. You know, it's a it's a, a medically it's a, it can be a medically induced state that can be therapeutic. So, you know, there's that side of things as well in terms of how being cold is way preferable to being too hot. Mm-hmm. So that's a really kind of long and convoluted way of saying that the internet is full of absolute nonsense. Um, and you should listen to people who um, who are experts in the field. And not a vet said. I vet said a vet said on Facebook. You need to know who that vet was and who they represent and where they work. Not just a vet on Facebook said. No, 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 no. Who? But also because I know for a fact that things that clients have told me that the vet has said, and I'm thinking that's not what the vet said. That's yeah. that's not what you were told to do. Your brain has gone, well, that sounds like a lot of effort, so we're going to do this instead. Like, I I see it all the time with training. You know, people go, oh, yeah, I saw this trainer, and they told me to do that. And I will know the trainer personally and be like, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. they said. Oh, I see this a lot. Yeah, I've I've been getting a bee in my bonnet about that all the time because there's a lot of the trainer said or the behaviour said, and I just think, if they did say that, then they are so far out of their remit that they really need to behave themselves. Or, like you say, no, nah, I know that person. There's no way that they said that. And if, if that, or they might have said something, but no, 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 you've interpreted that wrong. That's not what that person meant. Exactly that. And I think so important that, to trust the sources on stuff. Like with a lot, like we know there are so many stupid, like how many scam posts are going around on Facebook at the moment with either dogs that have been found injured or are missing and you're like, and then they've turned off the comments. So here we go. Public, public announcement now for everyone. If you see a post that an animal or a person or an elderly person or a child or something treacherous has happened and can you share this? And then all of a sudden, the commenting has been turned off on the original post. It's a scam. scam. Don't share it. Also, one of the posts... So much misinformation. 
does the rounds. So you have the lovely posters that are kind of, you know, it's the chart of, will it be too hot for my dog in what temperature? Yeah. And then we have to consider things like, are they very old or are they very young? Mm -hmm. Are they of a breed that doesn't have a nose? Major. Because that's Major. Because I can tell you now, why is it right on the hottest, hottest days in the, and literally it'll be at one, two o'clock just when it's getting really freaking hot. Right, first little thing, dogs melting feet on pavements. Tarmac. Who is sods? Is this a thing? Because I'm not going to lie, yes, tarmac is hot, but dogs' pads are not the same as our feet, are they? No, no, they're not. Um, they're a bit more resilient. But you think about some of the some of the flat-faced dogs that have allergies and things like that. Well, maybe not just flat-faced dogs. So you think about the dogs that... And maybe um, respiratory compromised. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's the bracky dogs. Is that even a freaking term? Well, I think you might just now. Um, now. now. So, so if you think about these dogs, they, they tend to, they're not hardy. So, that you know, they're, they're not going to be out and about getting walked on the regular and, and getting their feet toughened anyway. Mm -hmm. Some of them have got, you know, horrendous allergies. So they're always licking their feet and their, you know, their pads are compromised that way. Mm -hmm. You know, the skin structure is already compromised. So, yeah, a dog can absolutely get their pads melted on hot tarmac. But I think, again, the ones that that is happening to is dogs that have got no acclimatisation. The only time they've been out that year is on the hottest day of the year at the hottest point when the tarmac's at its hottest and, and they've been dragged along to a beer garden somewhere. That's usually what it is. Yep. I mean, yeah, if you can't hold your hand on the on the back of tarmac, that is gonna it is gonna burn your dog's feet. It is. Yeah. Um but when you see these kind of pictures of where where their feet have been like horrendously melted, it that's not just happened from a two minutes or a minute stand on hot tarmac that, that dog's been subjected to an ordeal it's not a quick it's not going to be a quick thing that happens um but even so may, maybe just having these it's one of those things where yes the images are awful um but if it's enough to deter some thick shit from dragging a dog out in the heat then so be it but it always seems <laughs> to be right you'll be driving along and it always seems to be the bracky breeds that are the ones that are out in the middle of the day. And you're like, yeah. I'm, I'm so, and like the ones that like, you know, I can see they've got a cool coat on and the dog is clearly having to go out for a reason. It needs to toilet. It can't toilet indoors for whatever reason. It happens, right? Taking a dog for a little walk around the block on a hot day is not going to get it. It's when I see people running with their dogs. Yeah. on a hot day and I'm like stop it <laughs> but then straight away you get hottest day there's agility competitions going on there's hoops competitions going on there's sheepdogs it's working in the field controlled environments isn't it and you right. think about, you think about how how judgy dog world is if it was that much of a risk, no one's gonna no one's gonna risk the absolute living hell that is being judged by dog world. 
there's so little margin for anyone in the world of dog, whether it's agility, training, behavior, whatever the sport, whatever it is, there's absolutely zero wiggle room for any of you to do anything that might even slightly be considered um, you know, a risk to your dog's mm -hmm. welfare. Um, it's not going to happen. And if it was, then by now, someone's dog would have dropped. Has anyone's dog dropped after this week? So CSJ's just happened. CSJ Fragility, hasn't it? That's just happened. Huge you know, show. It's Massive huge show. show. It's big. It's, it's, it's one of the most um, enduring shows that most agility dogs will do. It's got, you know, there's lots of classes in a day. It goes over a few days. Mm -hmm. And, and it was the first was right, week they? as well. It was, it was the, the first, first week. week of peak. Yeah. And these dogs were okay. And they were okay because they're looked after by competent people. And the ones that maybe don't have owners that are as switched on, that are as competent, they're still surrounded by them. There's still trainers there that are extremely savvy. There's, you know, that the sports that people do, there are a multitude of people within these sports who sole purpose and intention for a lot of the time is improving the sport, improving welfare for dogs, mm -hmm. making sure that dogs and people are safe. You know, it's been a massive drive, especially the, you know, certainly I've seen over the past three years, a massive drive to improve safety and, and well-being for dogs. Um, so, yeah. And I've seen it on a couple of behaviour groups where, um, you know, maybe these are people that are removed from the sport dog world, um, but see it from a distance and go, all these posts about these dogs that, you know, keep your dog safe, stop your dog getting too hot, da -da 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 -da. and then you've got these agility people and trainers, and doesn't it seem hypocritical, and doesn't it seem, well, no, it's not, because it's different. So, I'm from my, and I may be sticking my head in the noose here, but Last weekend, took my dog, went and competed, um, competed him all day Saturday, Sunday, partly because I had family arrangements happening, but also um, the weather was getting hot. It was a different temperature on Saturday. It was warm, but it wasn't too bad. Then we had this weird rain that happened. And then on Sunday, it was hot and it was also muggy. It was, mm. it was close. And by 11 o'clock, it was hot. And yeah. I checked the temperature and it was like, oh, it's only 24 degrees. And I was like, it feels hotter than that. I'm yeah. calling it. I took my boy home. So I made that yeah. decision for my dog. Now, Princess Boo, my darling little sofa ornament chihuahua, was at home <laughs> in the aircon having a lovely time. Yeah. In a few weeks, we're going to be at a show. We're going to be camping. Boo's going to be with us as well. She's going to be livid because she hates camping. But <laughs> when it's very warm, she will have her own fan on her. She will have a cooling mat. And she'll probably be in the shade in the coolest bit. While me and Dodge are out doing our run, she's going to be in the cool having a lovely time doing what she does. Because she's older. As a <laughs> chihuahua, she's technically a bracky breed. She's not as fit as him because she's a sofa ornament. And she's actually very sensible. She's one of those dogs that's when it's hot, she will find somewhere cool and shady to lay down in. So will Dodge. Dodge is a very good boy. If Even if I'm in the garden, he'll be in the shade on the concrete, laying on the cold concrete rather than on the AstroTurf with me. She'll come on mm -hmm. the Astro, but she'll lay under the sun lounger so she's still shaded. Now, mm -hmm. God rest their little hearts, Princess Cheek or Munchkin, they were 
walkers, they would be out in the heat, panting their asses off, and you'd have to drag them inside because they were like melting. And the second touch the you, touch. they were like, no, we want to lay outside. Munch used to literally get a suntan on her belly. She'd have a little towel <laughs> where she would lay in the sun so much, God love her. But I also think it depends on the dog because some dogs really could not give a shit about the heat. And other dogs really, really struggle. Like us people, yeah. I'm one of those that will lay by the pool in the sun, having a lovely time. And then other people are like in the shade going, you know, it's hot. Why are we on holiday? This is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And and the other thing to touch on is a lot of these, um, a lot of these uh, agility dogs or, or hoopers dogs or, or whatever the sport that they're doing that they're very good at, they're not fat. I am a fat person. And without air conditioning like you, princess, um, <laughs> I just had to be sitting here with, with, with a fan on because I'm, I'm so hot. I am so, so fat and hot. I really am. It's, if I was thinner, I wouldn't suffer as much. And every, you know, every summer, I just think I wouldn't suffer as much if I was just a bit thinner. And do you know what? That is the same for dogs. You think of, of fat is your ultimate insulation. If you've got a hot dog and you want to cool them down using external measures like water and fans on the outside of them, if they've got three inches of fat, you're not going to be cooling down their internal organs very quickly because you going to have to also cool down all of that fat um, and you're going to have to get to the major blood vessels that are running within and beneath that fat so that's going to make it way more difficult you're not having that on your canine athlete they're slim they're lean or they should be um, so that's another thing that makes it different is you you look at you look at your average pet weight and it's a body condition score out of nine and five and five is seen as as your ideal pet weight most canine athletes i know and certainly all my dogs they're a body condition of four because they have muscle and low body fat. It's not a bit of body fat, but it's low. So they need to cool down. It's going to be happening quickly. That, you know, the, the, best, the best bit about um, my bare skin dogs, so that the, um, the collies that aren't hairy, the short haired ones, is they've got these lovely naked bellies that I love blowing raspberries on. Because, um, you know, you do, don't you? So that, that lovely naked belly, that's a really quick way of cooling the dog down. And that's what they do. They throw themselves belly first in mud or water. You know, they'll wallow, won't they? Yes. Um, if that belly is full of fat, their the wallowing is going to be significantly less effective. So that's the other difference between, um, you know, you... There's you, a reason that dogs. seals have blubber. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 100%. Um, <laughs> So that's the difference between, you know, the, the dogs that we're talking about and aiming our information at on this podcast. That's the difference between them and pet dogs as well. well also, is the body condition score. Like we joke that like our dogs over winter go winter weight where they do carry a little bit extra and mm -hmm. we don't worry too much about them carrying a bit extra because it's going to help with keeping them warm because you don't want them getting too cold when they're working because... Mm -hmm. you want the muscles to be warm when they're working and this is the other thing isn't it because warming up and cooling down like in the winter we know that this is so important for the muscles because imagine that the easiest way to explain it is like blue tack it's the easiest mm -hmm. analogy to choose if anyone doesn't know what blue tack is like i don't know other mates of sticky stuff that you stick things to walls with but when you get it out of the pack and it's cold it's hard and you can break it once you've warmed yeah. it up, you can stretch it and it's elastic. 
that's what the muscles are like. So when they're cold, they can snap, and when they're warm, they move. Now okay. in the summer, we do, I, I think, and I've done it myself, I've gone, oh, it's warm, I don't need to warm my dog up so much. Hmm. So this is the thing. So although the outside temperature is warmer, you still need to make sure that your dogs are warming up and moving their muscles. But in the winter, I'll get Dodge doing quite a bit of sort of trotting stuff to warm him up. Whereas last week I did probably five minutes longer warming up, but just walking. It was at a steadier yeah. pace because I didn't want him getting too hot too quick and then getting panty. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking, oh, if he's just warmed up, should I then be letting him go in that cold water? Um, if it's a, if it's so, and by cold, uh, I mean it's had the sun on it, so it's a bit nippy, but it's not yeah. exactly freezing. It's that action that I was saying about before. So it's wallowing. It's getting. Yes. It's getting the good places cool. So mainly, what what you want in is 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 belly, belly, groin, chest. Yeah, you know, you just want their undercarriage cool. Really, the the places that you need to keep warmed up are, are their big levers, so um, their, their hind muscles, um, shoulders, their, their shoulders. Yeah, and then and then their top line. That's where you you need uh, a lot of the kind of warming so up stuff laying and to stay down warm. in a paddling pool is actually perfect because the bit you want to be cold is getting wet yeah. and stinky yeah. and the top bit's still dry so yeah yeah and also in your double coated dogs you're not really going to be so the the warming up part is it's about blood flow you know your dog's core temperature is what it is you know it's about 38 degrees you want that 38 degree blood to be getting around the muscles um you know delivering all of the the um uh the the exchange of uh muscle metabolism byproducts so lactic acid things like that you're also preparing that um system so that they're not cramping up so they're not getting yeah. tired of all of that so it's part of that as well it's part of the the biochemistry um, as well as the physical function um so that's the other thing about warming up but you're fine to cool them down and even if in a big double coat dog even if that dog was completely soaked uh, from head to foot in cold water as long as it's moving those muscles are going to be kept warm because you know it's like people who do open water swimming um, yeah that's another muscles- thing that's just crazy moving yeah yeah oh, i love it and um, but that um that moving those muscles keeping them warm it, it's coming from it's coming from the movement so you can absolutely still get your dog wet all over and it's not okay. going to increase their injury risk as long as they're still physically warmed up by moving so they okay the kind of flip side of that would then be in the winter we have things like um gonna brand drop here but the back on track coats that have the magic yeah, in track magnetic stuff in yeah, them. Yeah. and then mm-hmm. we have the magnetex now i tend to use the magnetex in the summer and the back on track in the winter because i'm worried about him getting too hot on the back on track when it's the summer mm-hmm. um i mean i don't i don't think and the back on track not- would, would cause him to overheat because they're, they're a mesh aren't they they're quite light the one, so yeah, the one I've got is is fairly light. I mean, to be honest, I'm always mindful of him anyway because he is double coated. He has got a whole wardrobe for all the coats he wears. Generally, just to keep him dry and stop him getting covered in rankness. 
yeah. ranging from very lightweight to slightly fleecy to like what I'd call a proper outdoor winter turnout rug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got like proper turnout rugs as well that actually tries to keep the him 500 denier. <laughs> right, and he and I think it actually is, to be fair, you probably hit the nail on that. It will be, it will be. <laughs> but I feel like in the summer, because the Magnatex is a bit more meshy, what I'll quite often do is put that in water and then put that on him and it sort of acts like a cool coat, stroke magnet coat. And then the ceramic ones, the one I tend to put on him in the winter, just to keep him a bit warm without him getting too hot. Yeah, that makes sense. That but makes that's sense. just the way um, my little brain works. And it could just be that my little neurospicy brain's just overthinking all of this, really. Um, no one would be shocked. I am also neurospicy, and I get where you're going with it. I think the, the thing about all of these things is, is, is what they're doing is they are creating that there's some element of either reflection of radiation or generation of radiation so that's what you're getting with magnets um in the summer it's for free it's from the sun you know like a you know like a heat lamp how that works how that warms yeah. up your muscles um, and again your horsey like i used to be so we used to stick the horses under the red lamps yep you have the solariums yep yeah the slow so it's a similar thing so when you know when you've got real life sun you're all right um you're putting your like rug on um it it's all you know it's all just marginal things that that make small but important differences so i think what you're doing is right um and i think that you're not going to cause any harm from doing it anyway so you yeah. crack on yay i'm on the right track woohoo woo you're on the right track yeah i'm just shushing my dogs again shush no, it's fine so are there any other kind of summer survival tips for people that you sort of can think of? Any other holly summer survival tips? Oh, my God. How bad are the ticks? You know, right, so I have to say where I am, I've been pretty lucky and he's only touch wood had one this year. Oh, you've done quite. There's a lot of the, the again humidity. It's the thing. It's the thing. It's all the global warming and whatnot. Maybe. But also, don't yeah. I don't tend to go in publicly places with him where there are more no. likely to be ticks because that's where people are. Well, and we avoid those. Yeah, I do. Um, I do secret woods. So I bugger off to places where where I've never seen anyone apart from there was one. There was I was late. I ended up going at about. 10 in the morning um I think I have an appointment at something and I was late and I'd already let all there's there's one dog that I walk separately so I've got six dogs but I was walking five at once and I'd unleash them into the woods and a woman with a boxer that was sat in the front seat completely unrestrained um just kept driving by she kept I think I'd stolen her walk so I usually so I usually get and and you know you can you can tell when someone's got a reactive dog and you've stolen their time slot that there, there. she's probably been doing that walk for years and never seen anyone because this this woodland is it, there's a public footpath that goes through it but it's it's up a hill back and beyond and in however many years I've been going there I've never seen anyone but I must have just stolen her time slot and you could tell how furious she was you could see right. just, she just kept driving by waiting for me to go can we just can we just do a formal apology to the poor lady with the boxer who's time sorry to the lady down. with the boxer i think in the end, I'm not life, i found a magic woodland that i could take dodge and some fecker with a load of collies had rocked up yeah. i'm human 
I know. And I know. Do you know what else? They're colleagues. I'm joking. No, I was just about to say that. I was just about to say, and especially because because they, they, do you know what? They're not nice to other dogs, are they? They're not. They stare at them when they're in a group like mine are. They can be a little bit, they can bully a little bit. And to be honest, Dodges loves his collie girls because they understand the herdy playing games, but then he's also. You know, but um, but for other dogs, absolutely terrifying because what what collies do is they'll hurtle towards another dog and go, "We're playing, we're playing, ready, 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 ready to play, ready to play." And the way we do it, I'm going to bite your face and go, Rrr! and then I'm going to run away really fast and you have to chase me. And all the dogs are like, "That's fucking terrifying." I don't want you to bite my face and run away. I don't want to chase you. I don't like the way that you're running at me with all your teeth, like giving me all this information, rapid fire, before you've even got to me. And then you bite my face and run off and I'm supposed to enjoy this. Absolutely not, you terrified, black and white, hairy little psychopath. Get away from me. Um, and I can see other dogs do that. And I could see that that was probably the lived experience of Box Lady. Um, and I also just thought, well, also, you know, if, you're, if your dog is sat in the front seat of your car, firstly, you're breaking the law and he's not restrained, so you're breaking the law. So I feel like you're probably not the 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 most doggy person in the world. You're a person that owns a dog, but maybe you're not doggy because because you're breaking the law. So screw you. And um, also, sorry, sorry to. Um, uh, because your dog should be because I've... restrained properly <laughs> in the car. There's, oh, what? there's the girl oh, that's yeah. Chihuahua is now in her own booster seat in the front seat that's. She is clipped in the harness, but I'm not going to lie. Like, if an accident happens, I'm going to need to put my arm across and grab a chihuahua because yeah. the restraining become a projectile. is not the best restraining. But no, she doesn't want to sit in the, in the back now because no, that's true. why should she? Because she's, she's a princess. Been- well, she's been upgraded to like elder of the household now because she's the only yeah, she's the matriarch. She is. She is the matriarch of the household, so she gets front of the van in her pink booster seat because of course it's beautiful and of course it's pink of course it's pink so you know how many people pull next to my van now and see this little (laughs) booster seat and just giggle it's hilarious even (laughs) men great big burly men in their work vans because they're at the right level pull up next to each other and you see a man that little bit it's so cute and i'm like and she would kill you if she could (laughs) <laughs> she would kill you absolutely fingers for breakfast and um, so anyway this this secret wood obviously doesn't get a lot of traffic um you know me, me with the crazy collies and, and probably this 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 boxer lady but apart from that not a lot so the wildlife is rampant i mean my my dogs are fairly sniffy um but alita is my sniffiest and she was just like nose to the ground looking at me like there's so many things been here so many creatures have been here before us and I am going to follow all of the scents um, and she was literally just nose down the entire time just following scents um, and the thing about that is especially if it's deer which it most likely was loads of ticks mm-hmm. um, so what I have found with ticks is that um, I mean I'm, I'm uh, you know braless flip-flop wearing tie-dye toting hippie crunchy dog mama um so I don't do the whole regular chemical worming and and spot on things and stuff like that you know if my dog had worms I do worm counts and I'd worm them um if my dog had fleas I would buy a flea killer and I'd flea them but in between times we we rely on things that are natural and whatnot um uh, nothing but nothing will repel 
ticks unless you're literally putting a repellent on right before you go into the woods. Um, I haven't found a chemical thing that's stopping ticks at the moment. Um, you know, it's just a real, it's a real issue for people. Um, so my little summer hack would be use a repellent. Um, on my group, there's a recipe for it using essential oils. It's quite strong. Um, some of the essential oil ladies are like, oh, you wouldn't, that's so concentrated, it's so strong. But the, the reason why it's so strong is because it, it's not going on skin, it's going on a cloth and on your dog's hair. Um, and then from there it evaporates. So it's not the same thing as aromatherapy where mm -hmm. you know you have to watch your dilution rates. What we're wanting to do is for it to be extremely stinky to repel things. Yeah. Um, there so that's what you need you need you need to be putting some sort of repellent on um you know directly before you're going to take your dogs for a walk because the ticks are just so bad this year and just get it wherever you can um do we have to put it on their coat yeah. could we like put it on a bandana or can we put it on yeah, their absolutely. bandana and on a coat like if people are yeah. about like yeah definitely put it on a bandana um you know the, the the main problem I found is that um that they're getting kind of around the dog's neck around the dog's faces um yeah. so yeah, yeah Dodge had the one it was right fine. on his eyebrow it's always on their eyebrow because they shove their faces where the smells are and where the smells are is where the ticks are well the other one is when it gets right in their ear and then you're yeah, like trying not to remove the tick and then drop it into their ear because I'm not going to like the awful. last time I had an ear one, it was on my little terrier and I did go into the vets and call one, one, the vet nurse came out and went, are you all right? And I went, there's a tick, but it's in his ear. You need to deal with this one. Cause yeah, I can't do this one. I mean, I need a medical professional. Then. <laughs> so <laughs> one shift from moving. Just, just put some, if, it, if you do get that situation again, just plug their ear with some, with some cotton wool and then it can't fall in. If it's like on a weekend and you don't want the emergency call out or anything like that. Why did always, I not think of just putting cotton wool? Because, because, because of panics, because, because ticks are creepy, um, they need to die. I don't know why they exist um, and they just, they absolutely stop your brain. Ticks and fleas stop your brain functioning in a rational way. They are so small but so obnoxious and 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 that I, I can't function they no why why ticks and right, so why you found Eagle. the tick you've removed the tick with yeah. either your tick twister or right yeah. let's just get this do not put a cigarette on them no I'm just gonna say this may have been saying that I saw many many moons go horse yard and you probably shouldn't do that method um yeah. Do not put petroleum jelly on them. Do not squeeze them. You do not want them throwing back up into the animal or yourself. Like, yeah. don't do that. So tick twister is the thing we like. If we're using yeah. tweezers, head and twist, do not pull. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then once you have removed the disgusting freaking thing, my yeah. preferred method of disposal is crush, burn, and flush. Oh, yeah. Um, so I don't crush. So I crush I, um, it, then I burn it, and then I flush it, because I feel that um, all of those things to die. Yeah, same. So I uh, pop it into a little bit of tissue, um, and then stand over the toilet with a lighter, set fire to the tissue, and then flush. So, yes, yeah, same. But there has to be fire involved, and they are from hell. And so they shall return to the burning from whence they came. And that is why it's important to, um, to burn 
the tick, um, I feel. It's more symbolic and spiritual than it is. And, and, <laughs> as, and as pet professionals, we yeah. both have the same method. Therefore, this is the best Legit. method of disposal. It is. Legit. Legit. You need to um, usually, usually with Brian hovering in the background going, did it pop? Did it pop when you burned it? Did it pop? Because he wants it. <laughs> He wants to know because that yeah. happened once. That happened once that it was so engorged that when it was set fire, it just literally an audible. Yeah, I've heard them pop before. It's not a thing. Also, just a little thing. Peoples, remember, humans can get Lyme's disease, and it's not that yes. easy to diagnose either. Um, it or treat a very, very, very long time. Um, have a mm. couple of friends um that have ended up with limes from ticks because us weird dog people do end up in weird abandoned woodlands and such things where and it's as well with you with you working around sheep because sheep get ticks yeah sheep ticks 100 so you you your main risk factor from a tick so your, your tick-borne diseases in this country really it's um you know other countries not so much so um i think in australia you can get uh, tick paralysis um in uh in the US, there's some as well, which I can't quite remember. Uh, and then in Eastern Europe, there's a tick-borne virus called something beginning with B. Anyway, um, in this country, the, the main thing is Lyme disease. So you your first indicator of Lyme disease is a bullseye rash. So you've removed that tick. Once you've removed the tick, my personal preference is that I like to put on some kind of um, antiseptic when I've removed a tick. Um, I that's that's just my preference so you can put on uh silver cream silver gel you can put on loose ceiling anything like that just Love a general a put a bit of loose ceiling on it and my personal preference is a human um thing it's called Prontosan um so you can get that in gel or you can get it in um in a in a solution that you can scrub things with mm -hmm. um I just pop on a blob of the gel and leave that on there um and then over the next couple of days, just keep an eye on it. Whether it's a tick front on you or on your dog, just keep an eye on it. So the, the drama that you will get um, when you've removed a tick, if it's Lyme disease, you get this bullseye rash and it literally, it's unmistakable. It goes, uh, it's red where you remove the tick. Then there's a white circle around it, like normal skin colored circle around that. And then around that, there's another red circle, literally looks like a bullseye. Um, and you don't have to be shaving your dog to see that. You can part the hair and see that. So mm -hmm. that's what you want to be looking for, um, that there's not a bullseye rash. Um, and also, you know, they can get a second, they can get a secondary infection. Most dogs will have a little hard raised bump there for a week, 10 days, something like that. Totally normal. Don't flip and fiddle with it. Don't squeeze it. Don't mind it and pester it, because the more you mind and pester it, the more the dog's going to mind and pester it, and then you're going to increase your risk of infection. Just keep a, a weather eye. A non-inflamed, innocuous bump, if you know the reason for the bump, is best not to mess with, but kept an eye on. And as long as it's reducing, not looking infected, not getting hot, not um, discharging, then it's fine. Um, I took one off. I've got a dog that's a cyst former. Um, I took one off him. Um, that I must have missed it must have been attached for a little while um, and there was a little bit of localized infection there so when I took the tick off I could see that it was going to drain um, a little bit of pus so that had the prontosan put on it and it's fine now it was fine yeah. it was a few days ago and it's fine so all of these things to consider
uh, if you've got ticks off. But yeah, my my advice for for ticks now is that I don't think a lot of the uh, the either natural or uh, prescribed or you know whatever you're using for flea and tick prevention. I really don't think that anything is working very well this year, as far as I've noticed. Um, and no. my main thing has been repellent. But then I think like with with all of these things, when we've been using the same sort of chemicals, um, you know, evolution starts going, well, hang on a minute. Yeah. This thing is, so things start becoming resistant to stuff. We know that with medicines, there's yeah. a reason why people have to have like different flu jabs every year because mm -hmm. it changes. And I mean, fact me, yeah. if COVID taught us anything, it was that shit can change and... Resistance is a, is a, is a thing. Exactly that, exactly that. So... Yeah. We've covered hydration, we've added a bit of energizing, we've covered ticks. What else do we need to think about? For oh, right, here we go. That's this is another one I'm going to ask you, right? Because after, especially because I'm looking a little bit red today, like possibly what might be a little bit of sunburn because I may not have applied enough sun cream today for a change. Do you mean enough for any? Well, to be fair, my face and neck had sun cream on because I don't want them to be wrinkly. Right. Well done. And I thought it was like I'd be in the shade, but obviously when you're teaching, <laughs> you're not in the shade and you walk about and then you end up with... <laughs> so I was at a show the other week and I also, I put sun cream on my arms and legs and forgot I had a V-neck on. So now I've got a slightly V-neck tan and then I've got another bit. But this leads me to... Um, now my pony used to get a very sunburnt nose, bless Yeah. I'm thinking dogs that are of the whiter side. I mean, Dodge obviously is black and tan and Minx is ginger. I don't worry about them because they have dog skin. But what about dogs that have like the pink skins and the pink noses and things? Yeah, they, 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 they can get burnt. Um, dogs and cats actually. Yes. Uh, but, uh, predominantly white pigment, particularly on their nose, tips of their ears if they're prick-eared, or they'll maybe don't have to be prick-eared, but it's just more likely um, if, if their ears aren't particularly flappy, that the, the tips of the ears might get a little bit crispy. Um, so the dog uh, sun creams are absolutely available. Um, okay. they're, they're the same as like horsey ones. They tend to be uh, zinc-based. So what that means is that you've got a, a pigment um, that forms a, a physical barrier against the sun. So you'll know with horses that it used to be gold label, uh, white, you rub it in, it's so white it's almost blue, um, and it kind of repels flies a little bit as well just because there's so much and it so coats your hands and you can and never it, uh, take it off ever. Yeah, I mean, it's not a lot different from pseudocreme, to be honest. And the reason for that is because the active ingredient in pseudocreme is also zinc oxide. So, Ooh, yes, fact. You can get, sorry, sorry. so you can get some creams. A lot of them are zinc oxide based. Now, the thing that people do wrong with some creams um, is that they on animals and the experience that we've just had uh, proves this, is they, they don't rub it in properly and they put too much on. So what they're doing is they're literally lathering on some sort of ointment um, so that when you then touch it, it comes off again. Pointless, what have you done? You've not, 
if it's coming off everywhere, then you've not put it on properly. So the thing about these physical barriers that are zinc oxide based, um, and, and the same with the pseudocreme. So you occasionally see posts about don't put pseudocreme on dogs if they lick it, they'll, they'll get poisoned and stuff because of the zinc and so on and so forth. That's usually because there's been too much. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. you don't want them licking it off, but what you want to do is put it on so that it's rubbed in enough that you can barely see it. You know, when you put your own sun cream on, if you use a natural one, it's the same thing, using a physical barrier, either in a clay base or a zinc base. Um, and, and that's how that works. You need to rub it in properly. We're not all wandering around with white paste all over our faces, are we? We rub it in until you can't see it, but you know that the physical barrier is there. So yeah, um, you can buy specific ones uh, for dogs, um, you can use the horsey ones on them, the one that I've just mentioned, any of those, the little block sticks, they're absolutely fine, but the caveat is if it's zinc based, check that, make sure it's rubbed in properly so that it's non-transferable, so that when you rub your finger over the top of it, it's not getting everywhere. That means that, I mean, most dogs aren't, aren't licking um, their noses like up onto like up onto the bridge of their nose where it might get burnt. But dogs that have got pink noses, they are going to keep licking their nose. Um, so although it might be tempting to be putting sun cream on that, if it keeps getting licked off, there's no point. Just yeah. stop it. You're just going to have to have your dog out of the sun. Yeah. Because there's no good keep putting things on there if you know it's going to get licked off. There is nothing that is lick proof. Nothing. Mm -hmm. They will get it off if so, they want but to. If so they get those it, dogs like, will have to stay out of the sun. As you say, on the bridge of the nose, on the ears, like sun cream now does yeah. it have to, right this is a question i'm going to ask because i know people are going to be thinking it straight away i was like can't you just put like kids sunscreen on them yeah yeah i do um i've got in fact i'll tell you and so uh i got i've got really sensitive skin and in particular and I'll, i'm sure a lot of people have a shared experience and certainly will have children with the same issue is is uh sun cream on your face hurts by finding one that doesn't make your eyes burn, doesn't make your skin burn, it's hard work. Um, and I asked about this uh, recently when actually it was nothing, it was nothing to do with sun cream at the time. It was because I've been, um, I've been persuaded by a boots lady to spend all my money when she told me that my face needed resurfacing. Um, and, I bought, and I bought loads of stuff that had retinol in it. Um, spent two weeks looking like a burns victim because I didn't read the instructions. Apparently you're not supposed to put it on every day. And I was no. doing. Well, I was. Um, so, and then. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Just for us, me and more. So, can I just point out that a trained medical professional put retinol on their face every day? Man. I did, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, not just not just a trained medical professional, but uh, a, a champion of tissue viability did that. Um, yeah, it, it was an error. I just. I just uh, if, if I called you a twat, would you be offended? <laughs> it was a, it was a twatty thing to do. It was a twatty thing to do. I can't tell so here we go. Here's a public service announcement that's not dog related. If anyone is planning on using acid or retinol based products, do not use them daily on your skin because your skin will look like you are a burns victim. Mm -hmm. And don't put it on damp skin because it spreads more. So even though I wasn't putting it on, on my actual eyelids, and my delicate skin around my eyes because my skin was was damp it spread to those areas and it made my eyelids really crispy so 
so the upshot of this is is I had all of the retinol stuff and um and I'd put on my Facebook about it. stop laughing and I put on my Facebook about it and someone had said you really need a really really good sunscreen if you're using retinols yes like back to 50 and I was like oh for flip's sake because I don't know why I've chosen this moment to stop swearing but I have and for flip's sake I really don't like sun cream because it burns my eyes and it makes my skin burn and and then when you get sweaty you get the extra burn like it reactivates the burn mm-hmm. and it's hot at the minute so I'm, so my sweat tash and that and so yes yeah, so I didn't it was just you know another obstacle um in my life so I put this on my Facebook and um my friend Kat was like there's a uh, sun cream by on Amazon it's called altruist and it's been put made by a dermatologist like they just do this sun cream they don't have a lot else in their range it's you know it doesn't burn it's child safe it's eczema safe it's this that and the other safe um so that's what i use i use the ultraist dermatological factor 50 sun cream mm-hmm. um it doesn't burn me um my my elita dog she has a pink nose um, and is a sun worshiper um she doesn't overheat quickly i can i can go out in the sun with her she's she's not a dog that's overheating um she's also very switched on um so I, you know i can trust her to she's easy to read she's not getting hot but yeah. she is at risk of getting burnt um so i put that on her pink bits and it rubs in really nicely um, and she's been spot on fine with that <clears throat> there we go the main thing that's is one. that they're not ingesting it yes you know it's not a few people get get kind of panicked about using stuff on dogs like oh it'll absorb through the skin and be toxic that way like the whole point of your skin is to protect you from toxins do we do osmosis um actually it's because of science yeah do the science stuff okay i'll do the science so um for things to pass through the skin's barrier Mm -hmm. um and to get into your bloodstream um, it has to be below a particular molecular weight. I can't remember what it is because it's measured in a term of measurement that I'm not entirely familiar with, but there is a point and there are only certain things that can cross through the skin because of the size of their molecules um, and the stuff that's in sun cream doesn't tend to be one of them. Yes, there are things that have parabens in them and what we call forever chemicals. Mm-hmm. And the forever chemicals are things that are in like Teflon and, and stuff like that. And yeah, that the, those things exist and they do exist within makeups. They are carcinogenic, but the, the way that they work is um, through um, biomagnification. So what happens is you take on all these chemicals, um, these forever chemicals, some of which are in cosmetics and that includes skincare which includes sunscreen and then uh, in the future when you reproduce um the alterations that those forever chemicals have made on your dna get passed on to your progeny and they get concentrated down the line so that's the science and that's not going to be happening to your dogs because um so well i suppose the sad reason is, is they don't live as long as we do they haven't got the time to be building up all of those chemicals from the very sporadic application of sun cream that you might have on such a small area of their body, which is their nose. Just whatever it is, don't let them lick it. It's still not going to cause drama. It's just good practice not to let them lick stuff. Like toads. Like toads. (laughs) Don't let them lick toads. Right. Don't let them lick toads. Don't let them lick the sunscreen. 
Um, but they're yeah. all like licking ice cubes and that won't kill them. And that won't kill them. And they can have oh. ice cream. <laughs> but not strawberry daiquiris. No. No, definitely do either. not give your dog strawberry daiquiri. <laughs> definitely don't do that. So, ticks, sunscreen, hydration, energy. Keeping them cold. All, the all coats or no coats. The sun. Yeah. In the wind, submerging, stay in the shade. If you're a freaking princess and have aircon wicked, if not, just use a fan. <laughs> um, I, I feel we've covered the summer survival guide, babe. Ticked, we've ticked all of the boxes for summer survival. I don't think there's anything too blaringly obvious that I can think of. I, I do think that adding liquid to meals is definitely a good tip, though. Like, obviously, yeah, if you are feeding a kibble-based diet, soaking your kibble beforehand especially not a bad plan. um it's not a bad plan oh little tip that i i did send you that i discovered so i had the um oh what's it called cold press food it's a little like pony yes. but yeah. at the bottom of the cold press food you end up with this powder that's like dust that's oh, yeah, tell me about the dust. so what i did in my little magicalness is i made dodge's breakfast porridge with the freeze-dried dust, porridge oats, a little bit of oil, some some of Holly's magic blend, as I'm calling it, which is fat blonde blend, and <laughs> yeah. um, some goat's milk, and basically did overnight oats with that. So it kind of was his dry food mixed up with the oats, but it just, and it came out like a proper flapjack. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Um... There's, I'm not going to lie, if it hadn't had the dog food in it, I would have been tempted myself. Well, again, when I turn the group back on it, beyond by the time this is out, there's a, there, there is a shareable breakfast on there that's that. It's baked oats. So it's oats, fruit, MCT oil, all of that. You can use butter. Um, I put an egg in there as well. It just makes it more cakey. Um, and you can because put we all like cake. Because we all like cake. I like cake far too much. Oh, I'm going to do that after this, you know. I'm going to go get some cake. I've already had to... to I am running 100% on Cornettos this week, and I've run out, so I'm going to go get cake. <laughs> oh, anyway. Um, so, yeah, so breakfast bars that you can share, they're on the group. So they've got, like, berries and oats. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't use goat's milk because I think it tastes like arse. But, but, you know, if you're into it, you can use goat's milk. I used, I just use cow's milk. My dogs are fine with it. Some dogs are not fine with cow's milk, but my can dogs are. Can we just are. touch on that quickly? Because there is yeah. this real thing, isn't it? That, like, you can't give dog cow's milk. And I'm like, but I can give them cheese. Right. Okay, so the that then is more about lactose. So if you've got fermented science, cow's science, products... Science. Quick science, science. quick science. Um, so if you've got fermented cow's products, so natural yogurt, anything with a live bacteria or fermenting process, hard cheese, uh, kefir, uh, Greek yogurt, anything like that, the lactose has been used by the natural bacteria as energy. So you remove most of the lactose that way. So your dog's not going to react. Um, they're not going to react. Not all dogs are incapable of uh, digesting lactose. Some dogs do have the ability to produce lactase, which is the enzyme that digests lactose. Um, and, you know, like <laughs> dogs that have been designed to be um, around farms, they tend to do better with it than dogs that haven't. Because before dog food existed, um, and when the breeds were being developed on farms, so shepherds and herding dogs, 
one of the most available foods um, that you can give them is cow's milk. Um, and also there's a bit more science if you want to look into it, there's, there's different types of protein. So your Jersey cows, um, there's, there's A2 and A1 protein. So your Jersey cows, they're the, I don't want to get the wrong way around, are they A1 or A2? Anyway, they're the good protein that dogs can more easily, and people can more easily digest. Um, and then there's your standard kind of Hereford mix dairy cow and they're the other type of protein which you're more likely to react to. So you can have a look into that as well. But personally, my own dogs um, are fine with a slosh of milk. Mm -hmm. um, it's not loads. Judge it by eye. But goat's milk has far less of all of the things that a dog can react to. So if you've got a sensitive dog or they're not good with cow's milk. But goat's, goat's milk, milk does definitely taste different to cow's milk. It's got a tang, hasn't it? It's got a, it's got a, got a smell. It's got a tang. It's got an aftertaste. I don't like it. Oh, I remember when I first did keto. I went full goats, everything, um, and I was so sick. And apparently that's the thing as well. I had um, I cooked a, something and I'd used the goat's butter and I was so sick. And apparently that is a thing with some people, is that the, the goat's fat is, isn't, that's, that's one thing that some people can't tolerate. So there's that. Whereas the goat and yogurt, so, I don't mind. I can actually like goat yogurt and natural much. yogurt to me tastes the same. Do you know the best yogurt is sheep milk yogurt? You can get it from fancy places, they're uh, like Wage Rose. Um, I knew you were going to say Wage Rose. We have those in Surrey, darling. Of course you do. Um, and actually, to be fair, Sainsbury sometimes has it as well. It's usually Woodland Dairy. It's in a black and purple container. Um, sheep's Milk Yogurt is, is, the, is, is the bomb. Um, the, uh, the size of the fat molecules has more of um, that medium chain triglycerides that I spoke about way in the beginning. And um, it's got more protein. Um, it's it's more hypoallergenic. It's just a better a better thing, um, so that's good as well. But yeah, on the group breakfast bars that you can share with your dog, they are there too. Um, so that's that's grand that you did that. If you want to just make them for your dog, then you can use your your kibble dust. Yeah, but <laughs> like because I was powerful. like, I'm literally like going to be throwing away all this like dust that ends up in the expensive. bottom of the packet, and then I'm like. Just put it in with the oats and mix yeah. it. That'll do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it works. So, going back to hydration, just quickly, I'm going to pause there a second. So, <laughs> sheep, milk, yogurt. I'm yes. not going to lie. How freaking fancy is my dog going to sound? I know. So, this is me kind of going back over because in, in the beginning, and how long have we been doing this now? About 10 years or something but in the beginning I was really quite strict on that I'm like no you know for your dog's racing breakfast for your dog's competition breakfast it has to be sheep milk yogurt and I was really quite strict um, and then I realized that I was being a bit of princess and that it's expensive I think it's like three pound fifty for a tub like it's not it's not cheap it's not cheap it's it's superior it's fancy it's the it's the top level if you if you want to read it the difference that it will make to your dog not measurable you can't measure it it's not enough like I can't say you know the difference between Greek yogurt and sheep milk yogurt you know your dog's gonna go 10 miles an hour faster it's not measurable it, it's, it's not literally possible. the difference between first and fifth like if you use the sheep yeah, stuff your dog's winning like yeah no it's it's not it's just um uh a little bit a little bit of science that says it's preferable but for the sake of a competition breakfast once a week it's not going to make a difference. 
But if, if normal dairy does make your dog shit through the eye of a needle, then it's maybe worth a go. Exactly that. And if, if you've got in, <laughs> but if your dog is having that much of problem, but I do I love that now I've understood why. Cheese, yes, cow milk, not so much. Although no. many, many, Speaking many moons ago, when I was a proper youngling, like a proper, proper yeah. youngling, our collie dog would only drink if you put a splash of milk in his bowl. Yeah, my my collie dogs are, are very similar. And and I cut, and it's literally like a cup of tea-sized amount of milk. So the amount of milk that you would put in a cup of tea, yes. that's how much milk I have to put in her water to make a drink. It's negligible. Right. Not a lot. And then, like, and then protein, it was like, oh, has that took... caused him to have problems? And it was like, no. 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 Um, ever so quickly, speaking of cow's milk and its proteins, um, mm. Uh, for, for dogs, because you do the, some of the behaviour stuff and the spicy dog stuff, don't you? You yes. take an interest. Yes, I, I have thing. a spicy dog. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's that thing called Vaclean. Yes. Um, and it's cow's milk protein. Um, mm. It's, um, it's um, oh, what's the one? The exact protein. It begins with a C. And I've instantly had a brain fart and forgotten about it. I'm, minutes, I'm not going to lie, minutes. I could, I could it, run and try and find an old packet of from somewhere. I'm just going to say, full disclosure, for my own personal dogs, it made full difference, I'm just going to say. Yeah, yeah. For my it's own not, personal It's one dogs. of those ones that, that I, I um, is it cycling? Um, so... Yeah, and there's, it's, it's one of those ones that's totally hit and miss. There's some dogs and they just turn in, you know, you give them a bit of that, they turn into 100% cuddle monsters. Um, and then there's um, there's other dogs that it makes no impact at all. And it's just down to um, whatever it is that's kind of driving the behaviour that makes the difference, um, I've found. But the active ingredient that's in it is a cow's milk protein. And cycling's really expensive. And you can buy that protein as an isolate i'm going to find it just give me give me one second i don't what on um on a tablet how do you find the internet oh it's called silk isn't it <laughs> sorry <laughs> this, it's, it's you can tell this this is a well-prepared podcast and well-prepared. we have made sure we are well prepared for all of the all of the random thoughts that come into our little spicy brains because you know Right, so cycling. Let me find out. I'm sure it begins with a C. I know it begins with a C. Uh, While you're searching, I'm going to sidebar. Yaks milk. Okay, what is it called? Casepine. I'll keep you to ask me about the thing. Right, so yak milk bars. Yeah. Now. I'm pretty sure I've seen a thing about the yak milk bars can act as the calming. Is this because yak milk and cow's milk are similar and have this same magical thing in them? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah, is, is the short answer. Um, fun fact, do you know what colour yak's milk is? Pink. Oh, did I ruin it? <laughs> but I... Do you know why I know that, right? It was on a pub quiz once and it's always stuck in my brain that yak's milk's pink. Um, and I don't understand why the bars are yellow. It really upsets me because I feel that the yak milk bars should be pink as well. Because, because you want everything to be pink. Well, yeah, you know, the world should be more pink and sparkly and then everyone would be happier. Right, Miss Holly, come on. Have you found it's this casing. bloody thing? It's casing, it's casing, it's casing, right. 
there, right, casing. Casing and sleep, there we right. So it's because it is a tryptophan precursor. And that's why, so I have a thing about tryptophan um, and the world and his wife thinking that, that that's gonna solve everything with a, a reactive or spicy dog. Um, because tryptophan is a precursor to serotonin. Right. Serotonin is your happy hormone. Um, and, and people get quite obsessed with it. There's a few, um, there's a few kind of canine well-being people who, who do a bit of behavior um, and a bit of nutrition. Um, and they focus quite heavily on serotonin and talk about serotonin diets. And a lot of it is just nonsense because it's not, the reason why it works with some dogs, very few, I might add, um, and not others, is because mostly serotonin is not the problem. Mm-hmm. So serotonin is a problem in, in a dog that is all of the time appearing and presenting as anxious and depressed, regardless of the environment, regardless of what you do, always appearing anxious and depressed concurrently as well. Not one or the other, both anxious and depressed. Um, that's when you might be looking to increase serotonin here and there. Um, increasing serotonin for things like fireworks time and stuff like that, it's going to be negligible because the, the adrenaline hormones are going to drown out any minor increases in serotonin that you may be able to influence with diet. So this is why when you get um, the Zycline, why it works for so few dogs. The dogs it works for are the ones that need a little bit more serotonin. Right. And that's why it's so few. Um, and the activing... Just quickly, from what I can remember mm. from the serotonin diet is you're kind of feeding your dog food, but then you're adding loads of new potatoes. Yeah, sweet potatoes um, or any yeah, sort you're of carbs, add, really. You're kind of adding more carbs in, which, I mean... Yeah. And, and the other cool, thing people but... do that wrong... All you're going to do, do is end up with a fat dog that's still grumpy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, or you end up with a dog that has messed up digestion because if you're going to do a serotonin diet properly, you have to isolate the carbohydrates from the proteins because the, yeah. the body will prioritize um, the amino acids that fall in priority, you know, tryptophan falls way down. So you have to feed them completely separate from other proteins um, and you have to feed them really regular. So it means that you're giving your dog either, I mean, the, the best version of it uses sweet potato. The worst version of it uses either white rice or pasta. And it's four times a day. That's really going to mess up a dog's digestion. And we know that gut health is really important to brain health and, and balanced mood. So yeah. it's serotonin isn't the problem all you're doing is messing up the dog more and people doing serotonin diets unless i only do it when it's really obvious that serotonin is a problem and mm -hmm. um, so the reason why the zycline works is because of the um uh, of the casein which is in the zycline that's the active ingredient it's cow's milk protein um, and it's a precursor to uh, tryptophan, and the tryptophan is the precursor to the serotonin. Anyway, you can buy it, not in cycling, you can just buy casing for like a fraction, fraction of the cost, and you just give the same amount of the cycling, and you can buy it on bulk powders. Um, and I just thought that was a cool little hack for people for who 
who have so dogs where Zyklene does work. when you've got a dog like Dodge that is a little bit on the spicy side and lives on Placid, adding a little bit of this in might not be a bad thing. Might not be a bad thing, especially at night. Um, you know, to help with sleep because good mental health start. You know, one of the one of the cornerstones of good mental health is uh, good sleep. So yeah, you can buy. Okay, so can cases. we take this? <laughs> yeah. So I've just got it up here on, on my tablet because while we were having this conversation, I was having a Google because because I have brain farts and I forget things, um, and <laughs> so I had to look it up. So my salicacin, um, it's an amino acid. Um, uh, yeah. And, and so basically, me and Dodge, could, or should I say Dodge and I? Let's let's do correct English. Dodge and you I, can sh- you can share. Could share this, which sounds pretty cool. Because I'm not going to lie, placid tea does not taste nice. No, it doesn't. I tried it. it really no, I thought let's just try it. Let's just let's make up some placid tea. Let's see. No, I'm sticking to the camera. Do you, you do you struggle to settle? Is it because you're neurospicy like me? Um. Yeah, I mean, there's some nights where I'll just sleep, and then there's other nights where my brain goes, <laughs> let's stay awake. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. That happened, that happened to me. Um, someone tried to I've, tell me. I've had a day where I've had what I call a really good brain day, where my brain's gone, right, let's be really productive and actually do stuff you're meant to have done rather than being distracted by sparklings. And then you can't there. stop. And then yeah. my brain goes, no, we're, we're doing the working things then. I'm like, no, because we did that. We can stop now. So, yeah, maybe yeah. this would be a good thing for me and Dodges to have. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's, there's I'm, all also, for, I'm all for sharing supplements to help our little spicy brains. My favourite one um, to, to share, um, I only really do this in consultation, so um, don't go buying your dog supplements um just to just to share just based on the back of nothing um but for for kind of brain health so this is the this is the thing so i do nutrition um, and part of nutrition sometimes is using um functional foods and then the kind of more concentrated version of functional foods is nootropics um so these are uh, herbs and roots and isolated compounds and all mm-hmm. sorts of things um that serve a purpose um and and mushrooms are very good so uh reishi mushrooms very good at, at calming the central nervous system and you can share those with your dog mm-hmm. um so so yeah have a look at reishi mushrooms that's a good one and for for um other people and dogs um that you know uh might need help to focus I am certainly one of those people. And um, lion's mane mushroom, excellent. And your dog can have that as well. Okay. So you want to be taking your lion's mane mushroom in the morning and your reishi mushroom at night. Well, there we go. Right. So not only have we done our summer survival guide, but we've also tapped into a little bit of the why this thing works and how it works. And I'm honestly, I'm, I love the way you've explained how the lactose and the protein works because obviously we do use milk-based products for our dogs, but it's good to know why for some dogs, cow's milk can be okay, but it's probably better to stick to goat. And if you're feeling bougie, go for sheep. Very bougie. So Have I like rounded that up quite nicely? You rounded it up perfectly. If we're being perfect. fancy like Applebee's, you're having the sheep milk. And if 
Yeah. If you're just yeah. being like normal, then yeah, uh, the, the big milk the big, is the way. The big tub, all the big tubs of Greek yogurt from Aldi. <laughs> right. <laughs> Still fermented, there's bugger all lactose in it. It's fine. Mate, honestly, if, if it's budget friendly, I think all of us will appreciate the budget friendly help. So on Holly's group, um, it does close, but actually this time, because last time the episode came out, the group was closed, which was disastrous. I know I messed up, didn't I? <laughs> this time, just, no, I'll go turn it on. <laughs> the group will be open, won't it, Holly? It will, it will. Um, I, I turn it off every now and then just because um, I, I work as a nurse and sometimes I can't always keep up. Mate, sometimes it gets really busy and no I can't No one do is hating you for needing a Facebook break. Like, I appreciate you and I think that that is a very good thing to do. But when you've just done a really good podcast, it helps if your group's... It does. It does. If that's the only if that's the only place to find me, and it is the only place to find me. Um, this this year I've been very much about boundaries because you can't yes. pour from an empty cup um and i've found that the way that i need to do that is is boundaries so um i i genuinely do not mean to be rude but i am not answering um no know, put it in the messages. group because also yeah. not only do you have holly in the group but there are lots of very very experienced people that know yeah. all the good stuff and the good things um and they will help yeah. so Go to groups. Yeah, we, so, we, we all help each other out, don't we? So on the book face, they go. They have to go to the book face, and it's the yeah. Holly Barker Sports Dog Nutrition Group. That's where we find you, correct? Yes. Yes. Cool. And as always, yeah. guys, you can find me on the socials. Um, if you want to follow Dodge um, on the Insta, I'm. I've been a little bit quiet on the Insta recently, and a little bit. I've been a bit quiet on social in general, but you can find us at Canine Hoopers World and at Dodge Shepherd. Um, and yeah, guys, uh, thank you, Holly, for joining us again. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me again. No, honestly, I do appreciate you, and I love our little catch ups and our chats because it's cool. And I'm just going to do a massive, massive thank you to you because. The start of the year, the listeners will know, was rather rubbish with both Munch and Chica being very poorly. And straight away, you sent mm. me a message and was like, these are the things to try. And we're not going to talk about those today because they were very specific to my dogs and the health conditions yes. they had. But I just want to say a huge thank you because knowing I had that support was just, it just helped. It just gave me a little bit more scaffolding to keep us all in one piece for that little bit extra time. So Thank you for that. Until next time, guys, stay safe, be kind, wash your hands thoroughly, keep your dogs on lead around livestock, and don't let them lick toads. Take care, guys. Bye. Guys, I just wanted to ask you a real quick favour. If you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, it's going to help other people find me and listen to what I'm doing here at Canine Hooper's World. We're now on all the socials. So we have the Instagram, we have the Facebook, and we are officially on the TikTok at Canine Hooper's World. And remember to check out our website, www.caninehooper'sworld.com, where you can find out information on in-person courses, online courses. And if you're doing hoopers with your dog, you can also join in with our online achievement awards. These are open to any person, any dog, anywhere in the world to come and test your skills and get yourself a cool ribbon.